Right, so I want to start in Psalm 19, and uh, there's a couple of things I want to lay some emphasis on. So Psalm 19, verse 14. Are you ready for the word? Okay, let's just make a confession. This is God's word. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And holy men of old spake as they were moved upon by the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, move upon me. I will hear and receive and bear good fruit. Amen. All right, so Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my firm, impenetrable rock, my redeemer. Okay, so the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart is very important. Okay, the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart. So um, I think one of the greatest problems in our lives is our tongue. Okay, so in, in the last couple of months, I've been speaking about this more more and more but it just remains something that God is laying on my heart okay so um, James chapter 3 says we all often stumble okay is there anyone that does not uh, that never stumbles okay okay all right we all often stumble but it says but if anyone it's James chapter 3 does not offend in speech, doesn't say the wrong thing. He is a perfect man, able to control his whole body. Then he gives the examples, you know, of the horse with a bit in the mouth, and if you can control the bit, you can control the horse, you can turn the whole body of the horse around. The same with the ship and the rudder, okay? The rudder is a small member like the tongue, but you you can, you know, the helmsman can determine wherever the ship goes by just moving the rudder, okay? In the same way, your tongue, if you can have control over your tongue, it says you will have control over your whole body, all right? So the question is, do we want revival? Do we want the power of God? Do we want the presence of Jesus? So do we want God to speak through our lives? Do we want God to move through our lives? Okay, so that means we need His Word to be on our lips. His Word to be on our tongues. Now, I want to look at a few prophets, and the Word of the Lord, you know, came to this prophet and that prophet, so the Word of the Lord came to them. Okay, so Jeremiah chapter 1 is the one I want to start with. He says, the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, of the priests uh, who were in uh, Anatoth and in the land of Benjamin. To whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the carrying away of Jerusalem into captivity. Okay. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew and approved of you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I separated uh, and set you apart, consecrating you, and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. All right? So 
God is God calls people before they they God knows you. God has called you even before you were born. All right. So he's not a respecter of persons. So uh, so there's there's. There's obviously specific callings. Not everyone has the same calling as Jeremiah, but everyone has a calling. And the calling is firstly towards him. Okay? But what I'm saying today uh, is applicable to every human being. Okay? So he calls you to believe his word. He calls you to meditate his word. He calls you to speak his word. All right. So he is, then he said, okay, uh, Jeremiah said, Ah, O oh Lord, behold, I cannot speak, for I'm only a youth. Okay, so one of the first things that the natural mind says when the calling comes is, Oh God, I can't do it. Yes, God knows he can't do it. You can't do it. So he will do it for you, through you, in you. Okay, so it's not like God expects you to be God instead of God. God calls you to show himself through you to the world. He wants to do some things through you. He wants to speak his word through you. He wants to lay his word in your mouth, all right? So that when you speak, you get the results of God. So that when you say something, it's thus says the Lord. It's God speaking. And the same results happen, okay? So you can co-create with God the creator, okay? Oh, but creation is already created. Yes, sure. But what about your circumstances? What are you saying about your circumstances? So the, the prophetic is not only people saying, okay, this and this and this is going to happen, and then, then you see it a couple of weeks later in the news or something. Okay, great. That's wonderful. But you know that the prophetic is a lot about changing the future, not predicting the future. That means when the prophet speaks, something else will happen than that which would have happened. So if you start taking God's word on your mouth, you will start seeing God's uh, authority on the scene, and you will start seeing God's way manifesting. Okay? How many know not everything that happens in this earth is God's will? Okay, oh, but God is sovereign. Yes, God is sovereign. That's why he called you and, and gave you some things to do. All right, so uh, if our faith means nothing and God and everything that God does, you know, like everything is just playing out and it's God's will and we have, we have no role to play in it. Why then God call, does God call us? Why does he say, go preach? Why does he say, lay hands on the sick? Why does he say, go evangelize? Why does he send us to preach? It's so that we can put his word on our lips and speak it because when he speaks something through his body, the church, it's exactly the same power released as when he speaks through his body, Jesus, the Son of God. So we are the same body as Jesus. He is the head. We are the body. Okay? We are the bride. He is the bridegroom. We are one. He is the head. So, so when he... It's his word, it's his thoughts, it's his meditation, but it's expressed through us. Okay, so if we want Jesus Christ to, to operate and move in this earth today, we will have to be available to him. And the first thing that we need to make available to him is our tongue. Okay, so we hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. What happens? His word finds entrance into our heart. So now the word is in the heart. Let the meditation of my heart 
So what's the next thing? And the word, well, he says, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto you. So there's two things that God, through the word, first touches and changes in your life. And it's what you think and it's what you say. Are you with me? Okay. All right. So this is just such a, I mean, this is if, common knowledge. Everyone knows this. Okay. The word repent in the Greek means to turn. But if you take the word in the Greek, metanoia, it is, meta is a change of place. Okay. And noia is thoughts which means that your thinking changes from one place to another place. So it's a paradigm shift. You thought in terms of these norms, now you start thinking in terms of these norms. You thought in terms of how the natural mind thinks, how, you know, how humanity thinks. But now, he says, he calls us to repentance. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay, so what's the kingdom? It's God's authority, it's God's power, it's God's rulership. And he calls you to take part of it. Why does he call us to take part? I thought Jesus was the king of kings. Yes, who is the kings? Okay? Yes, but you know, all the rulers, and you know, it's king that and king that and president this and president that. No, no, no. No, no. He's king of kings. Romans 5, 17 says those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness will reign as kings in life. So there's plural, kings. Okay, you, you start operating as a king in the kingdom of God by receiving grace. Then Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 and 5 verse 9 and 10 says a lot of the same type of thing. He says, he has washed us with his blood. And he has made us kings and priests to our God. So what's the function of the king? Is to declare the word of the Lord. Okay? Is to speak something from a position of authority, speak something into being, to rule, to reign. So what's the first thing the king will reign over? His own tongue. If you have authority and you speak trash, you're going to see trash in the earth. Okay? So why is this earth filled with so much suffering? Well, what, if, what has humanity been saying? Can you, can, can you hear just what people are saying on TV, on the internet? On, and is it still a mystery to you why everything is filled with darkness in the earth? Okay? Why, why is, is it so important? Why is humanity's word so important? In the beginning... When God even expressed his wish to create humanity, to create people, he said, let us make man. And let them have complete authority. Complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, every creeping thing on the face of the earth. So before he even formed man out of the dust, he gave man authority. And God spoke it. So God's, God's authority and God's sovereignty works like this. He is the king. And whatever he says, we need to obey. So if he's the we can call him the high king <laughs> or the high priest. We are priests and he's the, 
You know, high priest and the, the, the apostle and the high priest of our faith says Hebrews. Okay, so, but he is the king. I'm just thinking of those old Scottish hymns, you know, high king of heaven. You know, I don't know who knows it. Anyway, if, if you've listened to that song of Jared Cooper, you know. But, okay. So, he's the king. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is king. That means whatever he says stands. There's no opinion that is, that is above his opinion. If my opinion differs from his opinion, my opinion is not valid. Okay? So I do not have a right in the kingdom of God to my own opinion and to everything and to my own ideas. I do not. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. So what is the acceptable words? Joshua, Joshua 1, do not let this book depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. So how do you meditate on it? Read it, think on it, speak it. Read it, think on it, speak it. So they made songs, they put it in song form to make it easier to meditate. Okay, like even the Jews, when the small boys have to do the bar mitzvah, okay, they, they learn the scriptures in song form. It's easier to remember, okay? So it's good to take scriptures and make it songs. We sang so many scriptures this morning, okay? But meditate on it, speak it, meditate on it. So your meditation and your speaking goes together. If you speak something, it overrides what you're thinking. So if you take the word and you say it, automatically your mind has to follow. If you start speaking the word, if you start speaking Jesus, your mind must follow your tongue. So that's why it's so uh, dangerous, can I say, or that's why it's so harmful to speak rubbish because your mind follows and it becomes the meditation of your heart. It becomes, you become drenched with it. So don't, don't say. So there's a lot of things that, um, that, there's a couple of scriptures in the word, like in Deuteronomy chapter 13, uh, chapter 30, and Romans chapter 10 says, the word of faith says, don't say, we shall ascend to heaven, that's to bring Christ down. We shall descend into the abyss. That's to bring Christ from the dead. But what does it say? It says the word is near you, in your heart, on your lips, the word of faith which we preach. For if you believe, if you confess with your lips, believe with your heart that Jesus uh, was raised from the dead, you shall be saved. All right? That Jesus is Lord. All right, so his lordship, his authority, sovereignty. Just forget the idea of we are not involved and God controls everything. I'm going to make a statement that may shock some people. Maybe people watching, but no one here, but it will shock some people. Okay. 
God is not in control. God is in charge. You are in control. So what you say and what you do will determine what happens. So if humanity is disobedient, humanity is in rebellion against the king. It does not make the king less in charge. It makes humanity rebellious. Okay? And that's why there's judgment. But Jesus came. Jesus came. That's why there's forgiveness and mercy. All right. So, Adam had authority. And he subjected his authority to the devil by partaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So God chased him out of the garden, lest they eat of the tree of life and live forever in that state. Genesis chapter 3. Right? And he put there an angel with a flaming sword. But we know Zechariah 13. Awake, O sword, and slay the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. Okay. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed and made whole. We as sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned to our own way. But the Lord has made to light upon him the iniquity of us all. So the sheep were scattered at the cross. Okay, the sword came, the shepherd was slain. John 10, I'm the good shepherd, I lay down my life for the sheep. So that means because the shepherd was slain, because the tree of life now has been opened, we can come boldly to the, to the throne of grace. Okay, are you with me? All right. So, the shepherd was slain. The way is again opened to the tree of life. Jesus is the tree of life. You can now enter boldly. Hebrews 4, Hebrews chapter 10. Okay, so Hebrews 4 says, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. So what do you do at the throne of grace? A throne is a place of authority. And grace is given at the throne of grace. Which means when you come to the throne of grace, it has to speak together with Romans 5.17. Those who receive grace will reign as kings in life. So you come to the throne of grace to be co-seated, Ephesians 2 verse 6, with Christ in heavenly places. When you receive grace, you enter the rest. And that's the point of the whole chapter of Hebrews chapter 4. Enter the rest. When you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Okay? So Hebrews chapter 4 is an invitation to come again into the rest. And it says you come by faith. And, uh, it, but what you hear must be mixed with faith. Otherwise, it will not benefit you. Like the Israelites of old, they did not enter into their promised land. They went around the mountain for 40 years and died in the desert because what they heard was not mixed with faith. They did not enter the rest. Though the promise was steadfast and sure, they did not obey. So even now, we have a calling to enter the rest. What is the rest? A place in Christ. Fellowship with Him in the Spirit. Where you come boldly, washed in the blood, no 
accusation of sins, nothing, you're washed clean, you're made holy, you're forgiven, you are righteous. You come to the throne of grace, you receive his grace so that you can reign as a king in life. With other words, you enter the rest, you sit down in Christ at the right hand of the Father. Okay, I've said this so many times. Hebrews chapter 1 says it. says, uh, after he had accomplished our cleansing of sins and riddance of guilt, he sat down at the right hand of the divine majesty on earth. So he sat down. Same thing in Hebrews chapter 10. He says, uh, after he had brought this single sacrifice that shall avail for all time, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. So one sacrifice took away the burden of sin, washed us clean with his blood. The sin question is answered. One sacrifice. Jesus entered rest after finishing the work. So he's in the rest. Now he says, come. Come be seated. Come receive this word. Now if you receive the word and you meditate on the cross, you meditate on the blood, you meditate on the mercy, you meditate on the love, your heart, your, the thoughts of your heart and the confession of your lips is acceptable to God. Okay? So what makes you acceptable to God? The blood of Jesus. What washes you clean? The blood of Jesus. What makes that God accepts you, you know, perfectly, that you can come boldly to him? The blood of Jesus. So what is the thing that you need to meditate on? The blood of Jesus. The forgiveness of sins. The price that was paid for you. Not your sin. It's not pleasing to God when you meditate on where you missed it. All right? Okay, it's not pleasing to God when you confess where you missed it. Oh, but I thought I need to confess my sins. Yes, once, speak to God, bring it into the light, and it's gone. First John chapter 1. He is faithful and just to forgive you. So you came once to him and said, Lord, I messed up. He says, you're forgiven, he's gone. And you never think of it again. You never meditate upon it again because your trust is on the blood of Jesus and not on your confession. The grounds of your forgiveness, I've said this over the last 10 years, maybe a million times. The grounds of your, of, of your forgiveness is not your confession, but the blood of Jesus. Faith in the blood of Jesus, not your confession of sin. But we stand in relationship with him. There's scripture for it. Do confess it. Come to him and say, Lord, I messed up. He didn't say, hang out all your dirty washing on Facebook. He didn't say, Tell everyone, you have to tell the whole church everything you've ever done. That's not true either. All right? We are not supposed to be conscious of one another's faults. We are supposed to be conscious of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to know nothing among you. I want to make a display of the knowledge of nothing among you. I want to be conscious of nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Okay. So Jesus Christ and him crucified. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, it says, We know one another no longer after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So how do I know you after the Spirit? I meditate the blood. I see you through the blood. I speak of you through the blood. I minister to you the blood. I meditate on the blood 
when I think of you. That's how we know one another after the spirit and not after the flesh. Okay? Love endures long, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is not envious or boastful, doesn't display itself haughtily. Then it says in the Amplified, love uh, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. So God doesn't sit there thinking, yeah, that Herod is such a fool. I mean, I should just smash him to bits. I think I should just send him some, I don't know, hailstones or something. Or maybe, maybe I should just burn down his house. People think that's how God is. That's not how he is. Because he's faithful to his word. Now, if he is faithful to his word and that makes him good, imagine what will happen in our lives when we start meditating on his word. When we start talking his word instead of our circumstances. Oh, but you don't know what I'm going through. Do you know what Jesus went through? Oh, no, but you know, you don't know what they said about me. Do you know what they said about Jesus? Do you know what they said about Paul? The suffering that he went through. Okay? So, and he preached the gospel. So we, we got nothing, you know, in our, in our suffering. Oh, but, you know, they said and they did this and they, yeah, Jesus went through much worse for you. Okay? So we, we can either praise the problem and worship the problem and speak the problem and make the problem great and then be burdened by the problem. Or we, we can praise Jesus speak of Jesus. In our lives, he's the greatest. And we speak about him all the time with one another, okay? So, uh, yeah, but you know, uh, you don't know my problem. My problem is so great. There's no one greater. There's no one besides my problem. Problem, I give you all the praise. <laughs> it sounds funny, but what do you do on a Tuesday morning when you meet your friends, okay? Yeah, we've been going through a I want to know nothing. I want to make a display of the knowledge of nothing except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Okay, so what, what happened to the Israelites in the desert when they murmured, when they complained against Moses? You know, okay, well, praise God, it's a different covenant, but, you know, the ground swallowed up and took people directly to hell, and it was heavy. <laughs> but the complaining... The complaining. Right through history in the Bible, they complained against, they complained, and then the serpents came. They complained, and the water became bitter. They complained, complained. Hard hearted, stiff necked, gainsaying people. Okay? So, what will happen when you start meditating on the Word? When you start thinking of His goodness? You know, like the Psalm says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for His good and His mercy endures forever. Right? You know, King Jehoshaphat. All those nations, uh, you know, came up against him, and he was afraid, and he, and he asked for counsel. So, so what did he do? He proclaimed a fast. Okay, that was great, you know, and they prayed and everything. And then he said, okay, send out the worship band. Now, I always say this. Imagine, you, you're, really, it's now battle. Imagine... It's war, you know, you're, you're you know, somewhere in Iraq or somewhere and there's all these 
people against you and they want to bomb you and they want to, you know, whatever, kill you with weird and wonderful ways. Okay, so they have all these, these, all these things against you and you just put the bucky and put the band on the back of the bucky. Go. They drive into the multitude and they, they sing songs. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures and his mercy, you know, love and mercy endures forever. How much sense does that make? Okay, so no complaining about the people against them. But they praised him. And they worshipped him. And they proclaimed him. So what happened? Those nations got confused. And they slaughtered. They, the Bible says they were all self-slaughtered. Do you want your problems to be self-slaughtered? Is there some stuff against you that you just want to, you know, it would be great if that problem can consume itself. <laughs> All right? What are you thinking? Are you letting fear getting a hold and controlling you? Controlling your mind? Controlling your, your words? Or are you just saying, Lord, my trust is in you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his love and mercy endures forever. And you keep your mind there. Right? Right, so, sorry, we're, we're back in Jeremiah. We, I haven't even gotten to the scripture that I wanted to read. Okay. Right, so God says, Say not, I'm only a youth. For you shall go to all to whom I shall send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Whatever I command you, you shall speak. Okay. Be not afraid of them or their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. I've, I've thought about this scripture many times when you look at people, you know. It's like standing in church and you look at people and say, be not afraid of their faces. <laughs> it's like, okay. I know sometimes, you know, when people concentrate the faces, you know. But, okay. I've, I've had a few Deliberate ones as well. Okay, verse 9. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. Ah, so what did he touch first? His mouth. Do you want change in your life? Okay, what does God do with a prophet before he sends him out? He touches his mouth. Okay? He says, I will put my words in your mouth. He says, He touched my mouth and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day appointed you to the oversight of the nations and to the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build and to plant. So God is not rooting out. He anointed Jeremiah to root out. So God did it, but he used Jeremiah. God is not, you know, he didn't pull anything down. But he anointed Jeremiah to pull it down. How did he pull it down? He touched his mouth. Okay? To destroy. Oh, God didn't, he's not in the business of just destroying. So certain things need to be destroyed, especially mindsets. How does God do it? He calls someone and he touches his mouth. Okay? To overthrow, so there's certain things that need to be overthrown. 
to build and to plant. So God wants to root out certain things and put something in its place. If it doesn't work, God wants it out. So many people are keeping ships afloat that God wanted to sink a long time ago. <laughs> okay? But I think it's a good thing if we can just stand up and say what God says. If we stand up and say what God says, there's, then the, the stuff that's not supposed to be there can't continue anymore. And the stuff, how God, uh, how God decreed it, and how God wants it, is established. How? Through the words of your mouth. Through the meditation of your heart. All right. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Verse 6. Then flew one of the seraphim, heavenly beings to me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken uh, with tongs from off the altar. And with that he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity and guilt are taken away. Oh, we all often stumble and fall. But if we don't offend in speech, we have control over our whole body. Okay, so he touched his, lip, he said, his lips and said, your sins are forgiven. So the first confession that needs to change is, I am not condemned. I, you know, I am not uh, this wicked worm, you know, you worm Jacob, you know. I'm not, I'm not that worm. I'm not the low life thing that, that I thought and that people thought. You know, God uses the things that are low born in the eyes of the world to confound the wise. He changes the confession. He says, he has touched your lips. He says, your iniquity and guilt are taken away. Okay, so what's your confession now? Psalm 103, oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, oh, forget not his benefits. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, you know, forget not his benefits. Who uh, forgives each and every one of my iniquities. Who heals each and every one of my diseases. Who saves my life from the pit and corruption. Who crowns me with beauty and love and kindness. Who fills your mouth with good so that your youth renewed is like that of an eagle. Okay? And then later on he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our iniquities from us. Okay. So he says, your sins are, your iniquity and guilt are taken away and your sin is completely atoned for and forgiven. Now, after the cross, can we please start saying that? After the cross, can we please start meditating on this? Your sin is completely forgiven and atoned for. Meditate on it. Meditate the blood. Meditate the name of Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. Speak the cross. Okay? Right. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? So God wants to touch some mouths. He wants to touch some tongues, okay? And then after that, he says, whom shall I send? Whom shall I send, okay? So the first thing, if your, if your tongue starts speaking the word of the Lord, God says, go there. I will lay my words in your mouth. I will put my words there. If you go, if you will say only what God says, if you are prepared to not care what any person thinks, but only say what God says and what the word says, you will lose some friends. You will lose favor with some people. But God will send you. You will speak and it will be God saying. So if God is for you, who can be against you? If you say what God says, what can stand against you? And the other side of the coin, you know, 
if you stand up against someone who's saying what God says, it doesn't really matter who's with you. So we need to say what God says. We need to meditate on the word. All right. All right, say, I choose. Say it. I choose to think on the higher things, to speak the higher things. I want God to be in my heart and on my lips. I want his presence with me. I'm going to say the right stuff. Okay. Why don't we make a quality decision? If something, if you feel you want to say something wrong, just imagine Jesus. He's innocent. And they come with false accusations, but he opened not his mouth. Why? Because the Father sent him to do just that. If he, if he stood there trying to defend himself, he would have succeeded. If he stood there trying to defend himself, we would have been lost. Father, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. So, Father said, go for it. So, when he came in the heat of the moment, where all the false stuff came against him, he opened not his mouth. He only spoke the word. He only spoke what the Father said. Okay? Now, praise God, he's not sending us to die on the cross. Okay. All right, so, uh, Isaiah 51. Isaiah 51. Are you hearing something? Verse 16 says, And I have put my words in thy mouth. Okay, I mean King James, amplified. I have put my words in your mouth and have covered you with a shadow of my hand that I may fix the new heavens as a tabernacle and lay the foundations of a new earth and say to Zion, you are my people. Okay, so how did God fix the new heavens as a tabernacle? How did God lay the foundations of a new earth and say to Zion, you are my people? He said, I have put my words in your mouth. The king will reign. He's asking, whom shall I send? Send to do what? Send to speak. Send to to speak, send to speak. Who's going to speak? Who's going to speak what God speaks? Who's going to say what God says? Okay? So who's going to, when everyone thinks you're out of your mind, and everyone thinks you're crazy, just say what the word of the Lord says. Who's going to say, they, there's someone sick, okay, I will lay my hands on that person. People laughing you to scorn. Okay, that's not going to happen. The last miracle stopped with the last apostles. Well, this Bible says, these signs will follow them that believe. I am then that believe. God sent me. I will speak what God says, and I will do what he says. He said, lay your hands on the sick. I am a believer. I must lay my hands on the sick. Lay your hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Okay? Who will speak the word of the Lord? If you are, if you are prepared to say what God says, he will send you. And he will give you a voice that is heard throughout the earth. All he's asking is, just say the word.
Just speak the word. Okay? All right. If we want to reign in life, wouldn't you like to speak a word and the sickness goes? Wouldn't you like to speak a word and your debt is paid? No one? I would like that. You know, like, okay. <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't you like to speak a word and someone is raised from the dead? Okay, there is Jesus. Okay, John chapter 11. And, and uh, Lazarus is dead. And he says, Lazarus, come out. He first prays me, Father, I know that you always hear me, but for their sake, you know, I pray. Okay. Then he just spoke, Lazarus, come out. He just spoke a word. The dead man came out with all the, you know, like a zombie, all the stuff. He said, okay, now you lose him. All right. So we need to imagine we can speak God's word with God's power. If he lays his word in our mouth, his power of his word is in our mouth. Okay? So years ago, Reinhard Bonnke uh, you know, he was in the Limpopo province and he had these big crusades and many people came to Jesus. You know Reinhard Bonnke. If you don't know what he looks like, there he is next to our clock. Okay. On the gallery. On the gallery. Okay. So, Reinhard Bonnke. And he would speak uh, and he would say something. So, he, there was this stuff coming against him, like witchcraft coming against him. And these clouds were black with these massive storms and they had this big crusade planned okay so God said to him my words in your mouth is just the same as my words in my mouth speak the word so he just went out and he spoke the word okay and he said devil you better hurry up otherwise I'm going to build a bigger tent okay <laughs> <laughs> All right, and then later he went out and said, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> okay, so he spoke a word and the clouds cleared up. No, yes, it's exactly what happened. Okay, if you think darkness has power, imagine the light. Do you know you don't have to try and subdue darkness if the light is present? You don't have to try and chase God, darkness out if the light is present. Okay, Psalm 119, verse 105. Who knows what it says? Your word is a light unto my path. Lamp unto my path, light unto my feet. Okay. So imagine the light that comes out when you start speaking the word. Imagine you believing the word, meditating on the word, thinking about the word, confessing the word, speaking the word. Imagine the light coming out of you. Imagine the life coming out of you. John chapter 1 verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. That him talking to was the word. In the beginning was the word. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Imagine what life will flow out of you when you only say what God says. When you only speak what God is speaking. Okay? When his words is on your mouth and in your lips. Okay? All right, Isaiah 55, and then I want to go to Colossians. What's the time?
All right. Bless you. I'm not mocking anyone, okay. I love reading about the Catholic saints, the miracles that God did through them. I think it's awesome. I don't believe in all these f fractions, all these different parties in the body of Christ. There's one body. Everyone who has faith in Jesus Christ in their hearts is part of the body. I don't care about the organization. Okay. I have some favorite saints. Maybe we should make a saint wall or something. I like them. Imagine St. Patrick, you know, coming there on the, on the island and just hit his staff on the ground and all the snakes sailed into the sea. Huh? No snakes sailed into the sea. There's, not, there's no snakes in Ireland, even till today. Oh, you like snakes. Okay, okay. She has a snake for a pizza. Point, okay, let's use a different example. Okay, so pointing to the, to the pagan altars and they would just melt. Imagine that, okay. I'm sorry, I don't like snakes. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Isaiah 55, verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord. And he will have love, pity, and mercy for him, and to our God, for he will multiply to him his abundant pardon. All he says is return. I will multiply my abundant pardon. He says, I will... Uh, have love, pity, and mercy. So people, people are scared of judgment. They don't want to repent. But the whole point of the repentance is when you do, you receive love, pity, mercy. When you do, you receive the multiplication of pardon. Now it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So there's higher thoughts and there's lower thoughts. There's higher words and there's lower words. Okay? Jesus spoke to Nicodemus and he said to him, I am from above, you are from beneath, from below. Right? He says, if you don't believe me talking about things that are on the earth, how will you believe me when I start talking about heavenly things? But he says to Nicodemus, he says, the Son of, of Man came down from heaven, and he is in heaven. No one has come down from heaven except the Son of Man that came down from heaven and is in heaven, standing right in front of him. So Jesus had higher thoughts. He had a higher spirit. He had higher ways than that of Nicodemus. He had a higher covenant. He had a higher power. But he was standing as a man on this earth. So he had that connection with the Father. So he died on the cross to give us that connection with the Father. 
so that we can have an open door, so that we can have the same spirit, so that we can speak from that heavenly reality, so that we can see what he saw, so that we can say what he heard. Jesus saying, you know, John 5, John 12, I, I do not say anything apart from what my father, what I heard my father say. I do not do anything apart from what I see my father do. Okay? So if we can see, if we can hear, we can speak and we can do. Right? So there's a higher way, there's a higher word. So the first thing he says, let the wicked forsake the way, the old way, the lowest stuff. Jesus said, if you try to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will gain it. If you try to save your natural life, you will lose the supernatural higher Christ life. But if you lose your natural life for my sake, you will gain the higher life. So let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. Which means it's possible for you to forsake thoughts. And let him return to me. How do you return to him? You meditate on it day and night. Okay? You repent. With other words, you stop thinking in terms of one paradigm, metanoia, and you start thinking in terms of another paradigm. You, start think, you stop thinking in terms of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Right, wrong, right, wrong, right, wrong, right, wrong, right, wrong. Stop thinking in terms of that and start thinking in terms of the tree of life, knowing Jesus, fellowship with Jesus, hearing his voice and doing what he says. It's a totally different life. Okay? Be grafted into the vine and you will bear fruit. Okay? Did I lose all of you? Okay, so there's a higher thought. There's a higher way. There's a higher word. Right. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So it's the thoughts of the spirit, the mind of the spirit versus the, the mind of man, the natural man. For as the rain and snow come down from the heavens and return not there again but water the earth and make it forth, bring forth and sprout that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void without producing any effect but it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. So what then must happen? His word is laid in my mouth, and I speak his word as he speaks his word. And that word that I speak that comes down from heaven like the rains will not return void without producing any effect. So if you want to see results in your life, start meditating the word and only the word. Start speaking the word and only the word. Your thoughts is like the preview or the forthcoming attractions of your future. Something that Prophet Kuber also used to say all the time. Whatever you think, you create your future by what you meditate on. 
You create your future by what you meditate on. Do you know that your triggers and all your ways of thinking and all your habits of thinking and speaking, do you know it can change? It may take a little while, but do you know that you can retrain your brain? You can start somewhere. Do you know that you can train your brain to only think the word? You can be in a habit to, to think something. I mean, if a thought comes, it came, but now you can redirect, intentionally redirect your thought. And if you struggle, take the word, read it. And if you struggle to do that, read it out loud, speak it. Because if you speak it, you force your mind to think on it. Do not let it depart out of your mouth. All right. Such a simple word. Such a simple word. Okay. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. Or your mouth. You ladies' word in your mouth. Shall not return void. Okay. Colossians chapter 3. What time did we start? I forgot to what Niku, what did they take for him? Huh? Dunno. There's no ear. Okay. I can still go on for another hour and a half. I would love to. Maybe we should start half an hour earlier. What do you think about that? <laughs> where, where were we going? Colossians. Okay. Colossians chapter 3. All right. Okay. So the picture of the baptism. Okay. You have to kind of read Colossians 2 with it. But the picture of the baptism is not us sealing a covenant. That's not scripture. Sorry. It's nowhere in the scripture. Baptism, you're not sealed with a covenant. It's nowhere in Scripture. There's not one verse in the Bible that says it. But it, over and over it says, when you're baptized, you are buried into Christ's death, Romans chapter 6, and you are raised into fellowship with Him. So the picture of the baptism is, I die in Christ's death for me, and I'm raised into fellowship with Him into His resurrection life. That's the picture of the baptism. That's Scripture. You with me? Okay, so now... He's speaking about this. He says, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead. Amplified. Aim at. The word aim is an intentional thing. No one aims by accident. Do you get it? Yeah, it's intentional. Okay. Okay, that's an inappropriate who is it. Okay. <laughs> Aim at, seek the rich eternal treasures that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Okay. Christ is seated. The whole, all the scriptures that we touched on. Christ sat down 
after he accomplished our cleansing of sins and riddance of guilt, after he brought the once-for-all sacrifice, he sat down. So seek the treasures that are above where he is seated at the right hand of the Father, where he is resting in the throne. Seek those treasures, which means go there. Go to the throne, enter the rest, seated with Christ in heavenly places, Ephesians 2 verse 6. Okay? So he's saying, meditate on the cross. Seek the higher word. Meditate on the higher word, not the lower word. So what's the lower word? The first covenant. The lower word, the natural stuff. What's the higher word? The second covenant or the second, the New Testament. Jesus dying for us on the cross. That's the higher word. Okay? So, it says, seek the things, the treasures that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Oh my goodness, all my papers are falling out. And set your minds. Has anyone by accident set their minds? So it's intentional. Set your mind and keep it set. Oh, you know, we've got to, you know, have our minds renewed. How are you going to have your mind renewed? It's not going to happen automatically. It's not going to happen by accident. You set your minds on the higher word that comes from heaven. Keep it set on the things which are above, where Christ is seated. Set your minds. Keep them set on what is above the higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. Like your circumstances, your problem, your issue, what they said, what they wrote, what they, whoever, you know. Yeah, but I can't say that because then they're going to fire me. No one can fire me. I just did what God said. So in this place, I don't preach what I'm paid to preach. I preach what God said. There's no one that's going to fire me if I don't preach what they pay me to preach. Did I touch the nerve? Okay. So here, we sow because we believe the word. Here, there's a vision from God and we do what he says. So you're either going to be part of it or you're not going to be part of it. But in this place, money does not determine what is preached. The spirit and the word determines what is preached. All right. So set your mind on the higher things. Keep it set on the things that are above. Okay? Where am I? For as far as this world is concerned, you have died. The picture of the baptism again, buried with Christ. And your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. Okay. So there's a secret place, a hidden place. Your real life, the higher life, the life that you are stretching out for, Philippians chapter 3, that you are leaving all the other stuff behind for, it's invisible, but it's real. 
It's in spirit. But the moment you set your mind, you start manifesting what you see. The moment you do the word, meditate the word, speak the word, do the word, meditate the word, speak the word, you start manifesting and make visible what you saw in the word, what God spoke to you, right? So when you meditate, you see. Oh, I can't have visions. Okay, close your eyes. Close your eyes. Okay, imagine an orange. Can you see an orange? You just saw a vision. Is your imagination sanctified? Or is your imagination corrupted? What do you imagine? What are you meditating on? So meditating is directing your thought in a certain direction. And you do it. And the more you do meditate on the word, the easier it becomes. Meditate. When you meditate, you see. Imagine a scripture like Mark 16. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. Imagine you seeing yourself laying hands on the sick, taking, pulling people up out of wheelchairs, taking the crutch and throwing it away and saying, walk, and they walk. Imagine it. That which you saw is the real life that you have in Christ. When you see yourself doing the word, the picture that you see when you meditate and you make it your own, you see yourself doing it. Read the miracles of Jesus and understand that same Jesus is on the inside of you. You are his body and he will do the same things. You will do the, the works that I do and even greater works than these because I go to my father, John 14 verse 12. So that same Jesus is on the inside of you. Now you see yourself doing the same thing. You imagine it. You meditate on it. And guess what? When you're in that situation, you, you saw yourself do it. That's your real life. The moment you act, the power will be there. Because it's a higher word. It's a higher thought. So that's, this is repentance. We stop thinking in terms of natural people. We stop thinking in terms of, oh, I'm only human. It's a lie. You're not. You're a son of God. Okay, we are also the men, we are bride of Christ, you know, so. Rocky, Alice, okay. So we are the bride of Christ, but you're a son of God, okay? <laughs> imagine, imagine, imagine Jesus doing through you the same as what he did walking in Galilee or in wherever he was. Imagine you speaking a word with the same power. Here comes the centurion to Jesus. I am also a man under authority. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. And Jesus marveled at his faith. Imagine yourself speaking something like that that will make Jesus marvel at your faith. Okay? Imagine. Just, just think. When you see Jesus operating, when you see Jesus walking, healing the sick, raising the dead, okay, we, we can have a few associations. You can either associate with, say, for instance, the woman uh, with the issue of blood touching the hem of his garment, reaching out to him, touching him, and, and she's healed. That's a good start, a good imagination. But now imagine, Christ is on the inside of you. You have died. 
he, you've been risen with Christ. That if Christ is risen, you, you are risen with Christ. Aim at, seek the rich eternal treasures that are above. So now you walk and Christ is on the inside of you, doing the same things that he did. I have died. I don't have an opinion anymore. Now I walk and Christ in me directs. So I walk and someone come and touch my clothes and they're healed. Who do you associate with? What do you imagine in the Bible or dare you not go there in your own mind? You will do the same works that I do and even greater works than these because I go to my Father. So the meditation of my heart, the words of my lips, is not only, oh, I don't think of wicked things, but I think of, I don't know, fields with daisies and kittens and something, I don't know. Or, you know, helping someone over the street, that's all good, wonderful. But imagine you, got, you can just get past this natural limitation. And you start thinking in terms of God's all-powerful, supernatural, all-knowing authority in operation in you. There goes Peter walking down the street and they carry out the sick, so that just his shadow can move over them and they can be healed. It's a man, a fisherman, who didn't have a degree. <laughs> he had a few. Okay, so. Do you get it? Are you with me? Your mind and what you meditate on is the limitation of your future. Okay, whatever you see Jesus do is what you can do. So Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. So now we see him. Hebrews chapter 2 says, we do not yet see all things subjected to man, but we are able to see Jesus. So if we can see Jesus, we can manifest Jesus. Okay? So... What are you afraid of? <laughs> Why is it intimidating in your mind? Okay? It's time to forsake those thoughts. It's time to meditate on the higher things. It's time to associate with Christ that's on the inside of you. It's time to find your new real life that is in Christ, hidden with Christ in God. Okay, that's verse 3. Now verse 4, I'm just going to, you can put it up please, verse 4, Colossians 3 verse 4. So when Christ shall appear, you will appear with him in the splendor of his glory. Okay? When Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in the splendor of his glory. So I am hidden in him. I find my new life in him. I die and I find my new life in him. And because I find my new life in him, he now appears in me and lives his life through me. I've died. I've been crucified with Christ. No longer I that live, but Christ that lives on the inside of me. Lives like, live like someone who's been raised from the dead. Live like someone who has lost everything, like Paul said. I call it all dung for the joy of knowing him. Okay? And whatever he shows you, 
go for it. Whatever he says, speak it. Whatever you can imagine, uh, uh, Ephesians 3 verse, verse 20, you know, all the things that you can dare ask or pray for, okay? Think or pray. It's actually saying think. He will do far over, super abundantly, far over all that you dare. Let me just get to the scripture. Ephesians 3. Now to him who by the consequence of his action, of his power that is at work within us, is able to carry out his purpose, to do superabundantly far over and above all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. God wants some glory in the church. He wants to show himself to the world. The question is, whom shall I send? Are we able to think what he thinks? Or are we prepared to think what he thinks and say what he says? All right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. Lord, today we make a quality decision to think the word, to meditate the word, to associate with your word and with you, and to speak the word, to do your word. Thank you, Lord, that you give us this grace, that you give us this power, that your word will be in our mouths, and when we speak your word, it will not return void. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I just pray for everyone watching, for everyone in this place. Lord Jesus, let your grace multiply and increase in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that every person here will be equipped to do the same work and even greater works in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your glory and thank you for your grace. Lord, we give you the praise. We give you the honor. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, so I just feel before we, before we end, just everyone just close your eyes again. Just close your eyes. Right. So if there's anyone that has never confessed Jesus, that has never given your heart to Jesus, now is the time. I'm not going to call you to the front or anything, but just everyone, just make it, make it easier for everyone. And you watching, you can also just pray this prayer with us. So if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, just pray with me. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive my sin. Wash me in your blood. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I confess you as Lord and King. Come and dwell in me. Make me your child, Lord. I welcome you and I thank you. I am now your child. Amen. Right. So if you've prayed that prayer, whether you are here or whether you're watching, please just contact us. We'd like to pray with you. And... Uh, and I just pray that the God of all glory will be with you and reveal himself to you in a way that you've never experienced him before. And in Jesus' name.